ASI247.org is the URL for this podcast. I am your host, Russ Shaw. Russ at ASI247.org is my email address. At Russ Shaw is the Twitter handle. Yes, got a great guest on the show today. I, I know that a lot of people in, the, in my field... Um, get let's say excited about diagnosing people and I, right. I don't get that excited about it because I kind of look at it pretty simply people come to me because they're either anxious or depressed and this is where we get to the spiritual aspect of it because people don't people aren't ashamed of things they do they do shameful things because they're already ashamed right and they're already afraid and I tell right. people we're we're all afraid and we're all afraid of the same thing and it doesn't matter what the diagnosis is I'm going to deal with the anxiety and the depression, a person with an addiction isn't coming to me because they're addicted. They're coming to me because they have anxiety over the addiction. Right. It's causing a problem. That is Daniel Pryor. So excited to have him on the podcast today. Master counselor and life coach here in the Seattle area. His website is BibleBasedCounselor.com. He's going to be on the podcast today. This is Season 4, Episode 5. my guest Daniel Pryor. Um, I've heard you on the radio before on KGNW. Daniel, I was uh, intrigued and uh, I thought I've got to get this guy on the ASI podcast. Heard you talk about uh, here in Seattle on uh, Live from Seattle mm-hmm, right. with Doug Bursch right. and uh, does a great little show during drive time mm-hmm. and, the, and the Christian uh, right. talk genre. Yeah, And I've heard you on there talking about, you know, your C.S. Lewis fan, as am I, mm-hmm. and you you touch on some deeper subjects, and you may be saw, seen as progressive to some of the uh, conservative Bible Belt type of Christians, but uh, I think a lot of what you say is just great, commonsensical, faith-based yeah. type of stuff, so welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, how long have you been uh, in this field of, of Christian counseling, so to speak? Uh, I'd say professionally, uh, under my own uh, shingle, so to speak, uh, close to 20 years. 20 years. Um, but uh, I, when I was 19, which was a long, long time ago, uh, I, I, by default I sort of uh, had the responsibility of leading a very small um, youth group in a church. Uh-huh. And that's when I first started getting my feet wet in terms of uh, counseling. And then ever since then, 
I've been in some kind of uh, church-related counseling. So it was about 20 years ago when I um, went through, uh, went to college, went to graduate school, uh, master's degree, and um, I've been working first in the public sector for a few years, and then uh, on my own, under my own. All right. So you have a, a psychology degree, or yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Yeah. And uh, we were talking about that a little earlier, the the label of Christian counselor right. is a pretty yeah. wide uh -huh. spectrum of, of characters, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, being here in, in Edmonds, how long have you been in, in this area? I uh, had, uh, my wife and I lived in uh, Tacoma for about uh, 12 years recently, and I had a, a counseling business there, and then recently, about seven years ago, uh, moved up and have been counseling in both Edmonds and Bellevue then for about right. seven years. Where did you start out as a youth counselor? It, actually, it was in this area. Oh, wow. uh, it, I just kind of have come full circle, literally, oh, yeah. and, literally and figuratively, because I went from uh, uh, the Kirkland area all, all the way to Shelton, and, right. uh, you know, um, uh, not immediately, but, you know, step by step to Shelton, where the, you know, the edge of the world, well, it's not really, right. um, but they say you can see it from... <laughs> but I think they say that about a lot of places. But, um, <laughs> to Shelton like and then work my way back up uh, Puget Sound. Um, so back here, right. you know, full circle. Shelton, another prison town, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. An interesting town. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, the, the topic that you are that you were introducing, that you know, driving into Shelton in those days, there was an X-rated movie theater drive-in at each end of Shelton. Oh, wow. And it just seemed like driving in, there was a kind of a... A cloud of uh, something over that town, right? Yeah, a little seediness. Yeah. Number one industry yeah. being the the prison yeah. is where the most prison people work. Yeah, the prison, the big employer, and then the yeah. X-rated movies <laughs> at the front and back door. So yeah, right, right. Yeah, um, you you talked about being in youth ministry starting mm -hmm. out, and that's kind of you know that's that time when when kids hit that second independence of being a teenager, right? And they start mm -hmm. to have to work things out emotionally. Right. And I think that's mm -hmm. cool that you, uh, I mean, there's a lot of, I hear a lot of youth pastors that are kind of just sort of keeping things, uh, you know, corralled and, mm -hmm. and maybe corralling people with morality or mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. like that. But that's, that's really where your, your heart, your passion came from is seeing folks meet Jesus, right, and, mm -hmm. and talking about faith and then having that collide with their circumstances of right. their life. Because yeah. life is yeah. hard. Yeah. You, you can't just yeah. should and ought yeah. to on people and expect yeah. them to be yeah. fine, right? Yeah, yeah. I was raised in a Christian home and Christian school, and I knew um, early on uh, that, you know, there's a, a lot of these things come to us as children. Um, we, we, we kind of look at them as theories right. and things that become applicable when you get older and can't have fun anymore. So, you know, <laughs> right. the whole thing of, of uh, trying to understand how faith is relevant uh, to, to a person in, in their youth. And I really struggled with that and had really, really difficult times with it and actually um, was away uh, kind of on my own, uh, the prodigal son kind of thing, as, as so many people are. Right. But you know, um, uh, it's just that as uh, now as a parent, um, uh, learning that you know uh, our children are going to kind of go their own way and and explore and experiment. And as parents, we just have to stay true and know what we believe and explore our faith and not and have the courage to do that. And, right. And and live it live it out practically, and then the children will will follow. The young people will follow. But 
it's that's kind of uh, something I wanted to to talk to you about. Um, I played a, a bumper song at the beginning of this podcast that that talks about uh, that it's it's kind of a courageous act for one to come in t- here to your office, isn't it? To, to say that maybe I don't have everything all together mm-hmm. and I need mm-hmm. some. Oh, Daniel, like I, I encourage folks that, man, if you need counseling, if you have behaviors or attitudes or things that just pop up and flare up, go talk to somebody. It's it's important mm-hmm. that we do that. But sometimes that can be very difficult, can't it, Daniel? Could you speak to someone who may be struggling with, they know that they need counseling, but there's that thing in the back of their mm-hmm. head that's saying, ah, you'll be fine. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know yeah. if that's their dad or, or their pastor or I don't know right yeah Yeah. the first step is always the most difficult because uh, unless people have been to counseling um, uh, before they're not you know you can't quite be sure how to feel about this person that you're going to talk to um, you know because they're going to probe and they're going to probe into private things it's not like going to the doctor and just seeing what ails you in that sense you know they're going to you're going to have to go and you know, open up a bit, and um, we're not—we just don't like doing that. This is our private stuff, and so we're not quite sure how to feel about this person. Uh, but you don't so know trust, until you trust is an issue, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Well, actually, trust—if we think of trust as risk, which is not the kind right. of trust that we like—we like trust confidence, but we don't like trust risk. Right. Uh, but that's where trust actually always starts with a little bit of risk, and so the first step. Um, uh, is, is going and, and trying to establish uh, the trust in a comfort uh, zone, a comfort level. And you know, uh, a therapist, uh, counselor is a person who, um, you know, doesn't. You know, I don't look at people who come in here as odd or or um, you know off mark or something. You know, they're just human beings like I'm a human being. The difference probably being that I talk to so many people about problems, and as a counselor, I'm constantly thinking in my own life about. Why do people do what we? Why do we do what we do? Uh-huh. Why do we feel the way we feel? And that's not the sort of thing that most people go around thinking about. Right. So, in addition to um, having studied in school, it's just my lifestyle. An engineer looks at buildings and sees an engine sees sees uh, you know um, engineering. And right. I look at people and I see psychology and emotions and that. So. Um, uh, you know, you can go to a counselor, uh, a good counselor, and uh, you can get a lot of good for your uh, for your effort. You right, know, you That's know, they true. can help you to go down the road a lot faster. So, but yeah, right. that first step is uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. And and in the genre of Christian counseling, we, you mm-hmm. know, you tend to go a little deeper into matters of faith. But a lot of it, you know, a lot of it is more more natural than supernatural. But mm-hmm. There is that aspect of, mm-hmm. the, of that third layer of, of faith yeah. where God really meets us. And, yeah. and uh, I've heard it, repentance, um, repentance is a, is a blessing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not something that repent you, you know, some, not, mm-hmm. not something yeah. that shame makes people yeah. do. Yeah. But it, it's, it's more of a blessing and a, and a byproduct yeah. of, a, of a deep faith more than an yeah. overpowering burden, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a freedom. Yeah. You know, to be able to to be able to turn and go a different way is is a freedom. So it's a, it is a blessing. Yeah. Um, but I think that uh, it's compassionate, helping hearts that that understand the affliction, maybe by calling it a disorder or a dysfunction 
or an addiction, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, that that's not really taking the the power away from it, is it? To, to sin has kind of been redefined mm -hmm, mm -hmm. As, as disorder, dysfunction, mm -hmm. um, addiction. Mm -hmm. That isn't far from the truth, is it, Daniel? No, I'll tell you the way I, the way I approach that. I, I, I know that a lot of people in, the, in my field um, get, let's say, excited about diagnosing people. And I, right. and I don't get that excited about it because I kind of look at it pretty simply. People come to me because they're either anxious or depressed. And it doesn't matter what the diagnosis is, I'm going to deal with the anxiety and the depression. A person with an addiction isn't coming to me because they're addicted. They're coming to me because they have anxiety over the addiction. Right. It's causing a problem. Uh -huh. And I'm dealing with that, you know. So we have to remove, I have to remove what, what is uh, bringing, the ang you know, bringing the anxiety. But there's a deeper aspect of anxiety and depression, and that is that it's always fear and shame based. And this is where we get to the spiritual aspect of it because... People, don't, people aren't ashamed of things they do. They do shameful things because they're already ashamed. Right. And they're already afraid. And I tell right. people, we're, we're all afraid, and we're all afraid of the same thing. Right. And we all have shame. Addictions, say, for example, are the opposite of relationship because the only things that we can do about shame and fear are intimate relationships right. and really healthy, meaningful relationships. And then just getting on with life, industry. So industry and relationships. Those are the two things that God... Uh, instituted from the very beginning, the relationship is in um, is even in God Himself. You know, let us make man in our image. God is eminently relational, right? And He created man eminently, intimately relational, male and female, which every every intimate human relationship um, is is significant. But that relation, that marriage relationship, that relationship between the man and woman is quintessentially. Um, significant, but that relationship, those intimate, close relationships, husband, wife, parents, and children, and then out into the community, those kinds of things, that's what makes us human, and that's what, um, that's the thing that addresses our fear and our shame. Right. You know, and then the other thing was, um, you know, be, uh, you know, replenish the earth, take care of the earth. He gave us work to do. Right. So relationship and work. Um, and so that, you know, so we asked earlier about the, you know, the whole Christian and spiritual aspect of counseling. Um, I like to show people how that the natural uh, is really pretty spiritual. Yeah, it is. It, it's, there's not a bifurcation there. Right. Yeah. It's, it's God's <clears throat> world. It's God, God's creation. It's God's nature. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's God's, God's nature. nature. And it's spilled yeah. out and, mm -hmm. and, and yeah. written on creation, which yeah. is beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's one of my... Uh, one of my criticisms a bit with uh, the 12-step kind of w when it becomes over overly secular, there can be an emphasis on alcoholism as the disease rather mm -hmm. than the Novocaine, mm -hmm. like you were saying, that mm -hmm. treats the real disease yeah. uh -huh. that's in uh, the heart. Yeah. And you can you know, you can get rid of the alcohol and then something else comes along, like Jesus right. said, with the yeah. <laughs> you know, you uh -huh. demon out of your yeah. house and uh -huh. seven more show up. Yeah. Uh -huh. So yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It's getting to the you know, getting getting underneath the well, what we think is is the problem, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes we can't see that. You know, like before mirrors were invented, if I had a thing on my face mm -hmm. that was, you know, somebody would have to mm -hmm. tell me that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of what you yeah. do to a certain yeah. degree, right? Yeah. yeah, we all we all have blind spots. I I say um, we can't see behind our own eyeballs. We we right. all have. Uh, and that's what relationship is about, you know. Yeah. That's that's the, 
that's why it's so important to be intimately relational. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I find that people who um, aren't uh, are afraid of relationship, we do retreat into behaviors that in turn uh, push relationships away. So, um, and in a way, counseling is a step toward breaking that uh, fear. You know, um, right, right. Uh, it's it's part of starting the relational journey, so to yeah, speak. Uh-huh, right, right. There's something um, I was I was blessed enough to inter, uh, interview, have a conversation with Paul Young, who wrote mm-hmm. The Shack and oh, yeah. mm-hmm. wrote another book called Crossroads. And mm-hmm. it's something he said that. Uh, that we're being pursued by a God who is other-centered um, uh, yeah. love, right? Yeah. Like, uh, God yeah. is the, the pinnacle of the, those relationships. Yeah. That's part of God's yeah. nature and character. Yeah, that's very true. And a lot, of, uh, yeah. a lot of religion or what we see as not very compassionate yeah. acts that, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people mm-hmm. get wounded by... Mm-hmm. Um, Myself and the whole Mars Hill situation is comes to mind as one that's been in the papers recently. Uh, you know that's when that's when a, a system becomes more about the system than it does about the relationship that we have with God. Yeah, I like what you said about other centered. That's kind of a uh, uh, kind of a favorite uh, um, theme of mine. Is that one of the uniquenesses? if not the uniqueness of the way that God created us in his image is that we have the ability, unlike animals, we have the ability to be other-centered. Right. And the critical thing, the important thing of relationship is that we are shared beings. Um, we, uh, I find my completion in another person. Uh, it takes more than one person to make a human being. Right. Uh, so we're, so, but when we're in addiction... We're cutting that off, and so we're not, you know, becoming less human. Uh-huh. Uh, we're becoming less. Uh, we have less being because we're, you know, sh- because human being is shared being. Just you know, so that idea of you know God being other centered and created in his in his image and his nature as humans, we have that privilege of being other centered. Right. Um, but it is a sacrifice. It is, and yeah. that's what relationship is all about. Intimate relationship is about sacrifice. But you see, when I'm in addiction. I say my world is getting smaller and smaller, and pretty soon there's no room for anybody in it but just myself. Right. Yeah. Exactly. We're being pursued and even pushed by other-centered, self-giving love, mm-hmm. is, is I think mm-hmm. How, mm-hmm. how he would put it, which I think is beautiful. And you're right, and that's kind of... Uh, I don't like the term rock bottom because I think people can see that as a goal. And I've heard that <laughs> yeah. in, in recovery yeah, groups uh-huh. where some people are just, if I could just hit rock bottom. It's like, yeah. no, dude, that's not a mm-hmm. goal. I mean, it can get darker. Yeah. You, you you can't just wait to arrive at rock yeah. bottom. But yeah. some of what you're talking about is that, like, now can be that point when people mm-hmm. see that, you know, the light is, is closing mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. And, and the darkness is mm-hmm. taking over and we're kind of mm-hmm. just being more alone. Isn't mm-hmm. isn't mm-hmm. that some of the crux of what you're talking about mm-hmm. is we're coming to an, an alone place mm-hmm. and that's what's choking out life, isn't it? Yeah, and, and the turnaround uh, is... Uh, you know, my my dad always used to say, "Life isn't easy, but it's simple," and that is very true. Yeah. Uh, the turnaround in in dysfunctional behavior really just uh, relies on a balance of industry um, and relationship. That is, meaningful goals 
um, and accomplishments, but they have to be balanced with relationship. A person that is all about accomplishments and no relationships, those accomplishments will become dysfunctional. Right. A person that's all about relationship and no accomplishment, those relationships will become dysfunctional. So, you know, God's created us to keep these things in balance. We have responsibilities that we have to keep up on. I talk about managing my inbox. Um, where's the stress coming from and I have to take care of business and then the other thing is what am I doing in my relationships am I being other centered am I am I sharing myself am I living for that other person uh, you know that thing so those two things are very simple they're not yeah. easy but they're very simple and so the turnaround for a person in addiction really has to do with just those two things and I've been asked over and over how long does it take it doesn't have to take very long and the, the thing is that you know, you may not be perfect in your in your repentance and turning around. You may have you may fall back at time to time, but it's a journey, right? And uh, you get it gets easier as you go along. And right. uh, so the thing is that if you're trying to break a habit or an addiction like that, you just need to get started on the right road, do the things you're supposed to be doing, and then uh, you only lose when you quit. That's right. Yeah. And sometimes relapse is is a I use the word relapse. It's kind of a <laughs> A clicky cliche word, but you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. A relapse can be a, a way that we can really learn from oh, yeah. mm -hmm. from our, you know, what what's happened in the past. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of in, in, in a lot of different addiction treatment, including uh, sexual addiction, and something that I've talked about that I think is is important. It was important for me to to put a date on my last relapse but not to mm -hmm. hold that as mm -hmm. but i think that that, that can be a, a thing that mm -hmm. becomes a, a sense of accomplishment mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it could almost be like a mini idol so to yeah. speak right mm -hmm. yeah and and i guess that when i say put a date on your your last relapse it's more of a way to look in the rearview mirror mm -hmm. of how far that thing is mm -hmm. behind mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. rather than mm -hmm than at some kind yeah. of a goal. Maybe, yeah. could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I like the idea. Really yeah. heavily kind of like, yeah. oh, I yeah. can't relapse because if I do, yeah. then my whole, yeah. my whole system comes apart, right? Yeah, so, so what we might do is talk a little bit about a toolbox, and that would be one of the things in the toolbox, because you really need a toolbox. Uh -huh. You know as much about this yeah. as I do. You really need a toolbox to be victorious here. And, then, uh, and it's like if you're on a job somewhere, um, like you know, I'm I'm taking all the knob and tube out of my daughter's hundred-year-old house, and, oh, we, wow. and so I need a lot of tools on the job. And sometimes it's this tool, and sometimes it's that tool. Sometimes this tool I used worked great yesterday, and today that's just not the tool. It's not working. And it's the same with coming out of addiction. We have a toolbox, and this this tool that I'm going to use doesn't work every time. Right. Sometimes it's a different tool. Sometimes it's a scripture verse. Sometimes it's somebody has to pray for me, or I get, have to get prayer. Sometimes uh, it's a song. Sometimes uh, you know it's it's kind of looking at the sunset and getting a sense of you know God's you know there's different tools. But you have to so this uh, tool that we're um, just talking about. You might have to refresh me about your question, but. Um, it, it's just about the the tool being the the date, you know, yeah, the last so, relapse date. So one of the tools uh, that I think is well, so was successful with me many many years ago, and uh, I um, is the the whole idea of the calendar, mm -hmm. you know. And so I'll tell people uh, just have a just have a little sign that if somebody sees it, it doesn't mean anything to them. It's just a little scratch on the calendar, and that way. Um, it's not an embarrassment if somebody sees it, but it's a mark that you put on the calendar that tells you this was a successful day. Uh -huh. 
or this was a this was a non-successful day because right, right. you know um, you know and and yeah you look back and you say but wow I had and you know wow I've had people as I'm sure you've had if you've helped people in this way and you've had people say wow I just realized today that it's been a week or it's been two weeks or it's been a month right. you know and so little by little you gain on that so I like the idea of a calendar as one of those tools. Um, does it always work? It doesn't work every day, it doesn't work every week, but it generally works, and it's something to have in the toolbox because you really kind of have to, you know, I, I use the idea of laying siege against uh, the addiction, and right. I think about, you know, I remember reading a, about uh, Genghis Khan and when, the, when, the, when those uh, people from the east were working their way to the west, they ran into uh, uh, cities that were greatly fortified, and they just had primitive weapons, and they had these cities. So what would they do? You know, they can't get into the city, um, so they would just surround the city, and they would just say, okay, here's, our, here's where we live now. So that now they right. live around the city. Well, they might live there for 10 or 15 years, uh -huh. and what they're doing is stacking dirt against the wall. Huh. And pretty soon there is no wall. Right. And sometimes we have to look at uh, uh, attacking a, a, uh, an addiction in that same way. It, you know, it's a siege. Right. And we, you just don't quit. And then it's, it's less <clears throat> thinking about it. If I'm following you, it's thinking about it less like something that you have to blow up or nuke. Yeah, but it's rather moving into the relational aspect of why it's there. Yeah, and in that way, you're actually building the kind of strength that will that will um, help you to it be staying power. Right. You know, a lot of times people can uh, have a have a kind of a uh, maybe even a deliverance experience, and but they haven't built any strength. They right. still don't have any of the answers. Right. They don't understand where their weaknesses are and how they get tripped up. Right. And then one day maybe they find themselves back in the same situation. But if you're laying siege to it, you know, if you if you're using your toolbox and on a daily basis, you know, you're attacking it, you get to learn where the buttons are and where the hot points are and you get to understand like again the inbox, you know, where's the anxiety coming from? Because that's what's driving me to that addicted behavior, right. a sense of anxiety over something. Right. And I will tell you that it has to do that something that we're not taking care of has to do with either industry or relationship. It's, right. again, one of those two. Right, right. Or a balance of those. It, it, uh, and I like your, your what you're saying, this metaphor of the toolbox, because mm -hmm. one of the things that I, so I went through recovery from alcohol and then drugs, you know, chemical dependency mm -hmm. as, a, as a younger man. Um, the sexual thing was, was 20 years of horrible mm -hmm. that I didn't want to tell it about, right? Yeah, yeah, until it sure. finally got to the point where I had to, yeah. uh -huh. or else I was going to lose my marriage. Um, and that's something that a lot of guys, it was a weird thing for me. It was a blessing that I did that. I think I'm going off on a tangent here, but I'll get back to that. Um, the, the toolbox metaphor is this is kind of the system mm -hmm. that yes the relationships are important and we do have a God who loves us mm -hmm. I used to kind of scoff against the 12 step thing because mm -hmm. I was I was forced into 12 step mm -hmm. by the mm -hmm. state of Washington uh -huh. right uh -huh. yeah. so I'm you know sitting in this thing with my arms folded going you know I drink because I want to not because I have a disease you know mm -hmm. just mr. critic in my head the whole time but there's something when your heart changes it's not enough to just 
to just go, I, I, I know I need to change, but it, it, we, it's important to have a toolbox. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. that the toolbox is the point. Right. It's just a toolbox. That's yeah. what I love here. Yeah. Or a tool belt. It's, yeah. it's part mm-hmm. of you, what you take on your journey. Right. Because mm-hmm. if you don't have a, a toolbox to go, like like you're saying, mm-hmm. go to your mm-hmm. daughter's house and pull out the knob and tube, yeah. you're, you're in trouble, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yes, that concludes part one my talk with Daniel Pryor, BibleBasedCounselor.com. He also does a a Christian forum for Christian counselors known as the ChristianCounselorsForum.com if you want to check that out. Starting with the next part of the interview, I ask Daniel about the fact that most men, especially end up entering into counseling or recovery because of a relationship that's disintegrating, right? Like because they got busted or caught or a bomb went off. So that's where we start uh, the next interview with Daniel. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can uh, do that. Also, ASI247.org is the website for this here podcast. Um, I also wanted to address last week's show with Craig Gross and Stephen Kewen and some of the stuff that I've said on the podcast in the past because I know that some of you have been listening for a while and maybe I could solve some dissonance with uh, my relationship with Stephen and why I believe in his work so much. Um, I've said things in the past like it's good to have some recovery under your belt before you start a recovery ministry, right? A good length of recovery, kind of like what Craig Gross said about the group leaders who had a year. I started this podcast with a year's worth of freedom from pornography. Um, Now, what listeners did not know until up to episode 40 is that pornography wasn't just my problem. It was a lot darker than that. So there's different layers and different levels and different parts of the disease and the sickness that's sunk into our flesh, right? But when I saw that the impossible, right, which was one year free from pornography, had happened, um, when I noticed it, right, like I didn't, it wasn't all, I gotta have this calendar in it. I just realized that it had been a year. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't a mark in a calendar. It kind of was, but I just realized it one day after hearing my friend James uh, talk in a men's group. And that was a big deal to me. That got me excited about starting this podcast. I've also said in the past that it's less about a thorn in the flesh and more about idolatry and the things that we worship and how we end up solving anxiety and depression, right? Um, I think it's a little bit of both, right? The story about the thorn in the flesh has to do with grace. It has to do with us not having it all together before we enter into relationship with God and enter into recovery. Years ago, I there was another podcaster uh, called Ash, and he was podcasting anonymously and kind of working out his stuff through his podcast called God and Cigarettes, which was kind of awesome. Uh, 
but he had kind of a, a blowout. Um, he had some trouble with his recovery, but most of that was not based in his behavior. And I'm not a guy who's all fired up about, again, what you're doing behavior-wise. Where your heart is will change your behavior over time. That's just the truth, and that's what I've seen over time. Um, on the links page to the ASI podcast, if you go to, again, ASI247.org, you click on the links page, at the bottom is a series of letters that I wrote to Ash over the course of maybe a year, year and a half. Um, I can't remember. But <laughs> at any rate... Um, this is this is some of the stuff that we were talking about, and this is some of the stuff that Stephen is not too worried about. Like, Stephen gets this stuff. Um, the guys at Triple X Church are not afraid to talk about issues of, of theology and what really makes sense down deep in the heart. That's why I believe in Stephen Kewen's uh, message and his and what he's doing Yes, did he have a relapse porn-wise six months ago? Yes. But again, like Daniel said in that interview, the toolbox is part of right what these ideas are, what these beliefs are, what what we're doing, making a, uh, the calendar, right? Things like that. Um, stuff I talk about in this show, like, you know, bouncing your eyes from the Everyman's Battle book. Um, watching your thought life, unpacking, journaling out lies that we believe. These are all important, but again, it's like the, that toolbox metaphor. I was thinking about rock climbing, and mountain climbing is a, is a sport in my part of the world. There's lots of mountains around here for folks to climb, and one of the companies I do business with as a, as a pizza guy and the, is REI. And REI sells tools for people who mountain climb, who rock climb. And all of these tools are kind of like anchors, right? No two are the same. Some, some are similar, but they're not the same. And they all anchor the climber on the journey right? There's grappling hooks, there's ropes, there's repelling equipment, there are just a helmet, right? All these different things help anchor the climber on the journey. Listen, there's heart stuff, and then there's discipline stuff, and it's okay to use different tools, all right? But again, one tool is not better than the other, all right, different tools are used in different places, and that's okay. All right, it's something I really got out of the last uh, the talk with Stephen Kewen and Craig Gross. It's okay to understand that the the calendar is not the all right encompassing tool for marking the journey, but that we learn and understand why we're on the journey in the first place. That's the heart issue. Change the heart, change the mind, that changes behavior over time. I've done a few changes to the, the main website, ASI247.org. Um, all of the stuff related to Mark Driscoll is no longer on the website. 
mainly because he doesn't uh, have anything at Marsil anymore. So Marsil does not exist. Marsil Church does not exist anymore. So that's part of why I, well, part of the big reason why I took all that stuff down is because there's no place for it online. Mark Driscoll, I guess, has his own website, but again, until um, until we hear a heartfelt, uh, this is where I messed up. Um, it, it's easy to preach stuff. It's easy to tell other men and be loud and say, repent and live your lives for your family and love your kids and be uh, um, mindful of the community. Uh, it's another thing to walk that out, isn't it? It's easy to know the path, and we can study the path, and we can get satellite pictures of the path. But walking down that path is something else entirely. Um, most of the campuses still exist as um, no longer a mega church with different campuses, but they're all one church kind of systems that have branched out. Um, I met with Pastor Ryan of the Everett campus that's now called Foundation Church. The Mars Hill situation is an example of a guy, and I still pray for Mark. I, I think he had a lot of wisdom. He was a good, great communicator, gifted teacher, but a guy who quit on the journey, right? A guy who was called to repentance and instead of gathering more equipment along the way on the journey, decided to quit on the journey altogether. Don't quit. I mean, if that's the biggest thing something that Daniel Pryor said too, just do not quit. You get back up when you get knocked down. You do not quit. Don't resign from this journey. All right. This is another reason I, I love Stephen Kuhn's work. I love the work that the guys at Triple X Church are doing. Uh, Crystal Renault and Dirty Girls Ministries is another great ministry for women who struggle in this area. And uh, all those links are on the website, ASI247.org. If you need help, there's help out there. There's hope for you, all right? Having a toolbox is one thing, right? Having a backpack is one thing, but where is the journey? What is the journey? What is going to satisfy us deep down while we're on the journey, right? That's that thorn in the flesh analogy. We are going to walk with a limp for a while, all right? But what does that look like and what are we going to be satisfied in along the way? I'll leave you with a bumper by a band about a mile. It's called Satisfied. I love you guys. I mean that. Till next time, go with grace and peace, my friends. Bye. Let your song be the song I sing. Through the blessings and burdens this life will bring. And you alone, I'm satisfied. Through the struggles I face When contentment starts to fade Through the constant wandering
doubt is crippling And this will be my, this will be my prayer Let your song be the song I sing Through the blessings and 